Howdy, folks. This is professional rodeo announcer Joe Coulter, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Slave the Cowboy. But before we get started, I want to ask you one question. What is a cowboy? Well, a cowboy is about character, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And you know when you scratch all that in the dirt, you're going to spell out the word Christ. And that, in its simplest form, is what being a true cowboy is all about. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride for the Lord. And may God save the cowboy. I was talking to a cowboy the other day, and he told me one of the funniest stories. that I, I, mean, I just sat there and just hoorahed and laughed. Him and his wife were going to get some hay, and they pull up a little old town uh, over there kind of by Buena Vista and everything, and he said that there was these longhorn cattle out in this pasture, and that pasture looked about like this arena did. There wasn't nothing there. And for some reason, they got to driving by there and everything, and they seen some cowboys pull up with some stock trailers and some horses and everything, and it looked like they was going to be moving those cattle and everything. And they got over there, and they opened up the gates of those trucks, and they started to get their horses out. And when they got their horses out, them longhorns jumped in the trailer. Now that, let me tell you, I've been around longhorns coming from Texas. A lot of times we would cross them with Corrine rope and cattle, and a good buddy of mine, uh, best man in my wedding, he would uh, he leased a bunch of roping steers and stuff like that. So we, we, we dealt with longhorns all the time, and you know it's about like stabbing yourself with a, with a pencil repeatedly dealing with longhorns a lot of times, and when they get on the hook and they get mad and mean, there ain't not much you can do with them. But just to imagine these wild longhorns, and obviously they weren't that wild, but I think they was real hungry because you don't just open up a gate and longhorns go to jumping in there. But you know, I, I'm reading a book right now called We Pointed Them North. And it, it's an awesome uh, true life uh, kind of a testimony, cowboy testimony deal uh, by a guy, I think his name is Blue Abbott. And Blue... Um, literally did the, the trail drive from Texas up to Montana, became a, a, great, a big Montana rancher. I think he, he was born in 1860. He did his first uh, cattle drive at the age of 10, and when they crossed the Red River, it was swollen, and his dad was scared he was going to drown. So his dad tied him to his horse, and if the horse drowned, he was going to drown, but he figured the, kid had, the horse had a better chance of making it across than the kid did. Now, some of the cowboys cut the ropes before they went into the water because they were just afraid that something bad was going to happen. But, I mean, that was when you were 12 years old. There's a picture of him in this book. And even at, like, 16 years old, he looked like he was 30. And there was a picture of him when he was 19, and it looked like he was 42. Those were some rough times back then. And, but he was talking about how the, the cattle drive started was, you know, and during the Civil War... All of these cattle just got loose and were just running around, you know, maverick, you know, uh, out in the brush, mean and everything. So what they would do is they would gather these wild cattle, push them up into the pens, and then when they had a bunch, they'd head on north. Pretty easy deal. But I'm going to tell you today about that and about being hungry. In Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, um, the Apostle Paul... Every time I say apostle, it makes me think that Christy was at a, at a church deal one time, and they said, all the apostles and their wives, the epistles. That's funny if you've been to church before. 
But the Apostle Paul, I don't know what his epistle was doing at this moment, but uh, the Apostle Paul um, uh, in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Now, I, I've never really heard anybody say anything like this, but, you know, I always... You know, I don't try to look too deep where you start coming up with something that doesn't mean anything. But to me, there's, there's kind of a special uh, um, order that those are put in. The apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church and the body of Christ. Now, a lot of people, you know, big church words are used all the time, but I think if you were to take an actual, uh, you know, a quiz, a test, define apostle, define prophet, define evangelist, define pastor, divine, divine, <laughs> define uh, teacher and everything, that a lot of times we may not today have the same biblical sense of the word as what they used back then. But in, in thinking about longhorns and cattle drives and everything, and when I walked in this morning, uh, when we were pulling this wagon out so I could stand on it, I thought, man, what a, what a great illustration of, of what those guys did. Now this uh, chuck wagon and everything, that was later on. He says, uh, Blue Abbott says that when they first started, man, there, there was no chuck wagon. You ate what you could carry on your saddle, and they always ran out of food, and they ended up living on beef the rest of the time. It wasn't, you know, gourmet, you know, that whole deal, you know, cowboys come ride. No, no, it wasn't like that. It was, it was a lot rougher and tougher than that. But in trying to define what Christ's gifts are to the church, Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay, so the apostles, I look at them as, as kind of like the, uh, the, the divine cattlemen, if you will. Um, you know, they had the, the know-how to say, hey, look, we've got all these wild cattle over here. We need to gather them up. It was kind of their idea that God gave them to, to do all of this stuff. And, you know, there, there is some, some uh, differences of opinion in the church, and I think that that is fine. I, you know, in, in Romans chapter 14, Paul says, don't get caught up bickering over, over stupid stuff. If you want to think that way, that's fine. Ain't nobody going to get on you about it. And if you want to think another way, as long as you believe in Christ Jesus and His uh, glorifying work that He brought to the cross and then how He was raised from the dead to be the first fruits of those of us that would follow Him down that trail. That's what's important. But to me, you know, in... in I don't. You, I have heard people, and I and I may offend some people, and I'm not trying to offend. If you think differently than me, as long as you believe in Jesus Christ, that's what's important. But I don't believe that there are apostles anymore because Jesus went out. Those guys didn't volunteer to be apostles. Jesus went out and he chose them to be apostles. He talked to them. Paul was an apostle. Jesus Christ appeared to him on the road to Damascus and anointed him to be an apostle. I don't know of anybody. Notice I didn't say there aren't anybody. I don't know of anybody that Jesus Christ has personally appeared to and made an apostle. I'm not saying it can't happen. I think there are apostolic gifts that people have, like Barnabas and, and other people that weren't necessarily apostles. But I don't, I tend to think that the apostle was Jesus Christ chosen and 
in, uh, I believe it's Hebrews chapter 2, uh, the writer of Hebrews says that the, uh, the foundation, Jesus is the cornerstone of it, and the foundation was laid by the prophets and the apostles. And now we are to build it up. Well, if the foundation is laid, I don't really see a reason that we necessarily have apostles and prophets. I'm not saying that people can't uh, have a prophetic message or something like that, but actual Old Testament prophets and apostles, I don't know that there are anymore. But the prophets were like the, kind of like the trail guides. You know, The apostles said, this is what we need to do. The prophets were kind of showing people the way and stuff like that. The evangelist, now an evangelist, I hate that word because it's got a negative connotation now. Uh, you know, you see evangelists, when you think of evangelists, you think of that guy up on TV in his three-piece suit telling you that you will be blessed if you send in your seat gift of 1995. Glory to God. Yeah, whatever. Okay, that's not what we're talking about. An evangelist is somebody that just travels around and tells people about Jesus Christ. Okay, now... Um, an evangelist is kind of like those guys that went and gathered the cattle. They just go out. They may not go on the trail drive. They're just going to gather up the cattle, and they're going to take it over here, and they're going to give it to the trail boss and the guys that are going to take them down the road, down the trail. Now, the pastors, those guys are like the trail boss. They are in charge of all of those people all of those herd, all of the cattle, whatever you want to call it, that are going down the narrow trail, it's the pastor's responsibility. He's a shepherd, okay? For biblical terms, a pastor is a shepherd that cares for everything as you're going down the road. I guarantee those pastors are, are a definite gift from God because they're kind of a jack-of-all-trades. They've got to be able to do a number of things and do it really well, and they've got a caring and, and giving heart. And then your teachers are like your top hands because there's always that young guy that it's his first time on the trail and he's going to look to somebody on the trail drive that's been there and done that and that can show him how to do what he needs to do to get all the way down it and not die in the process. Those are the teachers. Now you think about the order that they listed these in, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They're in that order. And I'm not meaning to say that any of them are, are more important than the other, but I think that the order is important. But I think that there's a misconception, and I chose today to bring this message. It may not be the typical message that you always hear from me, but I chose this today because I believe that the people that were going to come here today were going to come here for a reason. It wasn't convenient for y'all that live even east of Kiowa and, and all over the place where you jump in your truck at, at 10 till 10 and you drive five minutes down the road and you get out and you go to a cowboy gathering. You drove 30, 45 minutes. Some of you drove hour and more to be here today and God laid that on your heart for a reason. And I want to tell you that you are not here by accident. Now, maybe you came here with somebody else, and you think, oh, I just happened to show up on this day. No, God chose you to be here on this day. As far as Save the Cowboy goes, there might be a misconception. I need to tell you where I fit in in those five groups. Now, I can assure you that uh, although I have seen Jesus do some miraculous work in my life, if y'all would have known me seven or eight years ago and you know me today, 
Oh, he, he's an amazing God, I guarantee you, because if you'd have told me I was going to be preaching and, and spreading God's Word like I do, I'd have told you you was a stinking idiot. When I met, and, this, and I'm not bragging about this, folks, and the only reason I say that is to show you how far I've come. I was the life of the party. You think I'm funny preaching? You should have seen me with a 12-pack in me. I was real funny. And, that, and that's what it was. I mean, when I met my wife, I had a Coors Light in this hand, one in my back pocket, a cigarette in this hand, and a dip of snuff in my mouth. And I was slinging that stuff everywhere as we were partying. Why she chose me, I don't know. I don't know, but I took her to the porta potties and kissed her, and we've been together ever since. I'm telling you, God will do amazing work. She hates it when I tell people that, but that's the truth. I'll let, you, I'll let her tell you the rest of it if you're interested. Just ask her, why would you say, who's the cowboy in the black hat? That has not happened since. <laughs> I guess she knows me by now. But my role, I, I, just because Jesus did a miraculous work in me, I can assure you I'm not an apostle, okay? And I wish I was a prophet because I would love to know what's going to happen in a few weeks or a few months or a few years. And, and God's like, yeah, I bet you would. Why don't you just step out in faith and trust me in it? Okay, God, I'll do that. So yeah, I'm not an apostle, and I'm not a prophet. And, and you know, I, I can teach a little bit. I mean, I do have somewhat of a gift of taking complex things and, and making them easier to understand. But let me tell you something that I'm not. And I'm not up here to tell you that, that this is a criticism of myself, but some people have the wrong idea of me because let me tell you what, I am not a pastor. Now, I may, and I've been guilty of this, of saying that I'm pastor of Save the Cowboy, but guys, I am not a pastor. A pastor is somebody, <laughs> this is going to sound horrible, that has a gift for caring for people and loving on them when they're hurting. Me loving on somebody, I'm like patting you on the back going, man, I'm real sorry about that. Let's go ahead and get settled back up and let's go. That's the extent of my caring. Now, I do care that you hurt. I do. My heart goes out to you. But if you're looking for somebody to, to bawl and squall and hold your hand, and, and, and uh-uh, it ain't going to happen. I guarantee you, I've been in a hospital on, past, on pastor visits. I can count them on this hand because I ain't comfortable doing that. I nearly died in one of them places. I don't like it. I'm just going to pray for you out there. Some people are pastors. They, they are led by God to do some of that stuff. I'm not an apostle. I am not a prophet. But I'm not a pastor either. Save the Cowboy is an evangelistic outreach. My part in this trail drive down the narrow trail, my part is I gather strays. That's what I do. That is the gift that God has given me. Now, there are other... Uh, trail bosses and, and stuff like that all over the place. And I know Ken, man, sitting and talking to him, it was as evident as a cup of Cool Whip on your face that hit one of his gifts is teaching. I mean, he's got a mighty gift for teaching. And you know what? We don't work against each other. We work together because I go in there and I gather the strays and then I give them to him and he gets them fed up so that they can get down that trail and make it all the way to those pearly gate they're not pearly by the way but you know what i mean the gates of heaven i am not a teacher but i can teach a little bit and i am not a pastor but i can do a wedding or a funeral and i you know i can comfort a little bit you know it's going to be a pat on the back i do care i do care but it's just not my gift 
But there's a religious term that people use that say, and, and you know, Save the Cowboy has been going on for about two years now. For about two years, we have been spreading this gospel to cowboys and cowgirls that had either never been to church or had been to church and was, quite frankly, sick of the hypocrites. We have been spreading this evangelistic message to gather the strays, and I'm not talking about the lost that were going to hell. Some of them were saved Christians that were just tired of it. We gathered them back in. Why? Because in Ephesians 4.12 it says, because our responsibility is to equip God's people, that is y'all, is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. In other words, our job is to all work together and get everybody down that road to eternity. And we need to work together. But after two years, the honeymoon is over. The honeymoon is over. Because the same Kevin that preaches the same way today as he did two years ago, now there's some people going, well, I just don't feel like I'm getting fed like I used to. He's kind of given that same old kind of message of salvation, and I'm wanting to dig a little deeper, get into God's Word, and he just kind of tells funny stories, and they're good and all, but you know, no criticism, but you know, he can't give me what I need now. There's a religious term that people use that says, I get fed at church or I don't get fed. You hear people say it all the time, and there's nothing wrong with it. I don't get fed at that church, or I get fed, or whatever, whatever, whatever. Some of you are full, and that's awesome. If you are getting fed through the Holy Spirit, it's not through me, through the Holy Spirit, that is great. But some of you are looking a little thin. And some of you might need to go jump in the trailer. And I'm not asking you to leave. But how to tell if you're hungry? How do you know if you're getting fed or not? If you're hungry, here's some things to look for. You just can't quite get enough from a single service on Sunday morning. Does that kind of characterize your faith right now? That you love going, you love going to a gathering of, of, of cowboys and cowgirls where they talk about God and everything like that. But, you know, and it's no offense, it's no criticism, but you need more than that. You're looking for something more. You're wanting to, what they call it, dive a little deeper. You know that you were meant for something more than just going and plopping your butt down in a chair and listening to a skinny cowboy tell a funny story and a little bit about God. You want more? You might be hungry. How about if you want to join a Bible study or small group so that you can do that dive deeper into the Word? You might be hungry for that. And you know what? I pray that every single one of you are hungry and that you do some of this stuff. How about this? Do you get excited when you start talking with God? When you and one of your cowboy friends or cowgirl friends or maybe it's your wife or friend or something, when you start talking about God, you start kind of getting excited. And, yeah, he's doing this and man, this is great. And, and you just kind of find yourself acting like a giddy kind of... Well, I don't act like a giddy schoolgirl. Y'all probably do. I don't. No, I do. Do you get excited when you talk about God? That probably means you're hungry and that's cool. You need to do that. You need to be hungry. It's not a bad thing to be hungry. As a matter of fact, if you're not hungry, I'm going to be a little bit worried about you. But let me warn you about something. There is only one man, one man, that can satisfy that hunger. And I am not him. As a matter of fact, Ken is not him. He cannot satisfy your hunger. There is only one man that can satisfy your hunger. And he loved you so much that He willingly died on a cross and His Father rose Him from the grave three days later so that He could be the first of a long line of trail people that are going to be going all the way to heaven. That is the man 
that can satisfy your hunger. Not me, not Ken, not the church down the street, not the one over in Larkspur or Sedalia or Castle Rock or Kyle. Or no, no one can. I just whetted your appetite. Ken will whet your appetite. He'll, he'll, he'll kind of, you know, you get that smell when you're real hungry. And you're like, oh, i got to have it. i got to have it. That's what we do. We're in the business of appetite uh, whettedness. <laughs> Add that to the book, Dave. <laughs> whettedness. But you know what? I am so thankful that God brought me into y'all's lives, that he gave me uh, the mission to come up here and gather. And you know what? I'm going to keep gathering. I'm not going to stop what I'm doing. This is what God called me to do. Have you ever noticed that we've never asked y'all to become members of a church? Because to be a member of the church means you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You don't have to join an organization to be a member of the church. So we're not going to ask you to do it. But I assure you, please celebrate with me the gifts that God has given me. Don't criticize me because of what I'm not. Because you got four areas to criticize me. I'm not an apostle. I'm not a prophet. I ain't that great a teacher. And I'm definitely not a pastor. So please quit trying to make me into one. We have people. God has given those people to the church also. And they're out there. The devil, when you get hungry... As soon as Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist and the dove came down and said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased, Jesus immediately took off for the wilderness and he spent 40 days with no food. He fasted for 40 days, people. You want to talk about a diet plan that will probably work? Try that one. Get you some grapefruit juice or something like that and see how well that satisfies your belly when it gets to gnawing on you. I know some people that can't make it past 8 o'clock without being, I'm starving to death. Go 40 days without anything. After 40 days, guess who comes along to talk to Jesus? That old fork-tailed devil comes riding up. Well, 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 looky here. What have we have here? Jesus, the Son of God. If you're truly the Son of God, why don't you tell those rocks to turn into bread? The devil preyed upon Jesus' hunger. Because he was so hungry. Hunger is a powerful thing. But what did Jesus say? Jesus says, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That's what will satisfy you. Not turning stones to bread. Only Jesus Christ can satisfy you and the word of God. Notice that Jesus did not say, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of man. He didn't say that. He said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. There is a difference. Hey, before you shut that knob off, let me tell you something. If you like today's program, we can all give a great big thank you to Western LLC. They're a turnkey development for oil and gas and aviation industries. You can get on the internet and visit them at westernllc.com. Also, Jim and Kelly Gerald at Integrity Auto Repair and Rod Denning at Tumbleweed Hay and Hauling. All of them out of Kiowa, Colorado. You ought to know by now that I ain't going to jerk your leg. <laughs> okay, maybe every once in a while, but this one ain't no story. This here's the truth. We need your help to stay on the air and keep this gospel being spread to cowboys and cowgirls like you. It ain't easy to ask, I promise you. We'll even tell all your friends that are listening that it's you that are bringing it to them. Help us out by going to SaveTheCowboy.com and contacting me. 
Call me and let's get this thing set up. Don't leave it to somebody else.